Dale McGowan, thank you for joining us again on Reasonable Doubts. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Jeremy. We had you on a few years ago to talk about parenting. Today we have you back on the show to talk about your work as the, uh, is it the executive director? Yeah, that's right. Of the Foundation Beyond Belief. <clears throat> For our listeners who don't know anything about Foundation Beyond Belief, can you give us a little background on the foundation and its mission? Uh, sure. Foundation Beyond Belief is a 501c3 humanist charity, and uh, the idea is to give uh, humanists and atheists a place to uh, focus and demonstrate their charitable giving. Uh, that was the initial uh, plan, the initial program was uh, a charitable giving program. And uh, we've expanded since then into other aspects of philanthropy, including volunteering and uh, overseas service. Uh, but it, we still have the same mission of basically encouraging humanists to rise to the highest uh, aspirations of humanism, and uh, that's mutual care and responsibility. We we know that there's no supernatural power to help us out, so we need to come together and do the best we can for ourselves for a better world. There is a bit of a charity gap between secularists and their religious counterparts, and so it's great to see an organization like this stepping in to try to fill that gap. Have you considered the foundation to be a success so far in its rather short career, only a couple of years now? Yeah, it's uh, actually we're uh, now we're coming to the end of our fifth year, and... Um, it has been a tremendous success, really beyond what we uh, what we anticipated. And you're right; there, uh, the charity gap is real. It's something that uh, every once in a while atheists say, "Oh, it's you know that those numbers are skewed or something." But it's it's very well established by uh, very solid survey instruments that churchgoers regularly give two to three times as much of their discretionary income to charities as non-churchgoers. And uh, but it's interesting that it's phrased in that way. It's not belief and disbelief. Mm-hmm. It's whether people are going 52 times a year in many cases to into this place where they hear an inspirational talk about the needs in the world, and then a shiny plate is passed, mm-hmm. and they have the option of giving or not giving uh, in the presence of their friends and peers and neighbors. And uh, that gives them a, a sort of structural opportunity to encounter philanthropy over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's perfectly sensible that they give more at the end of a given year. So I wanted to create something that gave non-theists that same opportunity. So our members sign up for a monthly donation in the amount of their choice, comes out of their account automatically, and they're able to distribute it among our featured charities however they'd like. And in the past five years, we've raised $1.75 million for charities wow. around the world. That's incredible. That's that's really good news. I'm, I'm surprised in, in just uh, five years that it's come along that that powerfully. What are some of the groups that you don't that the foundation donates to? Uh, well, what we do is uh, we have five categories of giving. Okay. Uh, there's poverty and health, and uh, education, human rights, the uh, natural world, and then we have a fifth category called challenge the gap, in which we feature one progressive religious charity per quarter. It has to be a non-proselytizing charity that works mm-hmm. for the common good. So people putting their religion to uh, to good use uh, rather than bad. And uh, mm-hmm. our members are able to distribute their funds among those five cause areas, however they'd like, and we have a new slate of charities every quarter. So we have um, we tend to stay with charities with relatively small budgets, usually under $10 million a year, which sounds large, but it's not <laughs> compared to a lot of charities. Um, so we look for innovative, effective charities in that range, and we have done everything from an orphanage in Nepal, to uh, education programs in southern Africa, 
to a science education program in India to a soup wow. kitchen in Trenton, New Jersey. I mean, it's really been a wide range. And uh, it's uh, typically education and human rights are the areas that our members support most strongly. A lot of our members feel that education is really the key mm-hmm. to everything else. You know, once you bring education in, then poverty and health and the environment and so on are helped. So uh, anyway, it's, so it's, the idea is to make sure that people have a range of choices um, over the course of a year and uh, to really be able to express their humanism in the way that they'd like. That's excellent. And I, I'm interested in this Challenge the Gap program. Is, is, that, is that meant to build more bridges between progressive religious believers and, and non-believers? Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. It's, uh, it's something that our members expressed interest in early on. They said, hey, you know, this is, this is something I'm really interested in as a humanist. Mm-hmm. And some other people were not, and then that's easy for them to just direct their funds in another direction. But um, the idea is to show, to really challenge that gap, to show that um, there are a lot of toxic expressions of religion out there, but there are also a lot of people who are doing perfectly good work mm-hmm. uh, within their worldviews, and we wanted to underline that common ground. So at this point, we have actually uh, donated to um, at least one charity in every major world religion. So we had an Islamic charity and a Jewish charity mm-hmm. and a Christian charity and so on. Uh, and in every case, we spend a lot of time making sure that they are doing charitable work without proselytizing, and there are a lot of those groups doing it. And when we contact them and say, hey, we're an atheist humanist group that uh, wants to give you a grant because you're doing great work, uh, it really blows their minds. I mean, it really, we get some fantastic reactions from these groups. They just find it to be a really positive thing. Yeah, and a lot of them advertise it on their websites. They say, look at this. This is a, this is a great thing. It's just completely made my day to make this connection. It's, it's really been a positive thing. That's great to break those stereotypes and, I mean, maybe even learn a few things, too. I mean, the uh, religious groups have been in the charity game for a while. Skeptical movement or free thought movement, humanist movement, whatever you want to call it, right? It seems like we're just now getting that critical mass behind us in numbers and exposure to really get movements like this going. Right, that's right. You are currently doing some end of year fundraising. Yeah, that's right. This is a really crucial, like it is for a lot of nonprofits, this is a crucial time of year for us. Uh, we get as much as a third of our operating budget for the year uh, has to happen in December. Right now, we are actually about to launch two new programs, two very exciting programs, but they're also uh, very costly programs. They, they really are going to require a lot of resources. One of them is a disaster recovery teams program. We're helping to organize the humanist response on the ground when disasters happen in the United States. And uh, we're also launching the Humanist Service Corps, which is going to send a small team of humanists to work in uh, northern Ghana for a year starting next July uh, in the witch camps of, uh, of Ghana. Uh, so these are really exciting things, but we uh, need to make sure that we've got the resources for it. So yeah. we are trying to raise $75,000 in the month of December uh, and doing it through a, uh, through a drive that is really going well, but we can use some help to get, uh, to get over that last hurdle. I've heard everyone has just been blown away by the amount of support that's already come in and some uh, some matching grants that were made, and uh, and especially this uh, most recently Dogma Debate Radio, I think, did a 24-hour telethon, and uh, uh, apparently it was a great success. Oh, yeah, it was an amazing thing. David Smalley uh, and uh, John Carf uh, for Dogma Debate, 24 hours without a break, uh, with uh, 24 guests on the show. It was absolutely amazing. That's they awesome. stayed up the whole time. 
and raised $31,000, bringing us uh, almost halfway to our goal just by themselves. That's that's incredible. Major props to to those guys for doing that, and and for everybody supporting it. And uh, these uh, these new programs, they sound really exciting. We had Leo Igwe on the show oh about a, a month ago, I think, and uh, he was telling us about these witch camps in Ghana. Oh yeah, and uh, just how much need there is out there. Can you tell me more about that program and what's going to be involved? Yeah, Leo was actually the one that uh, first gave us that connection as well. We had a um uh, an exploratory year last year, we sent a team of four humanists around the world uh, working on uh, in eight different countries, ten different service projects to plan the Humanist Service Corps and select the one location that would be our uh, long-term commitment. And they connected with Leo in northern Ghana and were with him in the witch camps and uh, just realized it was just a uh, the perfect opportunity for us. It was very resonant with our community to be addressing these superstitions and the negative uh, results, and uh, so that's where we're going to be focusing. Uh, and it's in the witch camps, it's a fascinating situation because uh, the camps themselves are not the problem. A lot of people mm-hmm. think of them as, you know, like concentration camps or something like that. Actually, these women have been, as Leo probably mentioned, they've been expelled from their villages. They've been right. kicked out of their families under accusation of witchcraft. And the camps actually give them somewhere to go. Yeah, they're like almost like refugee camps. Exactly. Um, and But one of the things that happens in the camps, they don't have a lot of money to run these camps, mm-hmm. and so the quality of life is not great. And so one of the things our, our volunteers are going to be doing is going into the camps, living there, bringing attention to the, the, the plight of the women and the children that are there, but also working to improve their lives while they're there. They're going to be doing everything from helping to create uh, water... Um, gathering systems uh, to uh, medical improvements in the camps to putting a new corrugated tin roof on a hut. You know, I mean, there's just the whole range of things they're going to be doing over the course of a year uh, in that camp. So we are currently actually uh, taking applications. If someone is interested in going uh, on this first team to Ghana starting in July of next year, they can go to our website and click on the uh, application for the Humanist Service Corps. And that actually... Uh, uh, the deadline for that is December 19th, so if there's anybody oh, okay. interested in doing that, um, do it they, uh, they can do that. What are the kind of qualifications for somebody who's going to be going out and, and doing that? Who are you looking for? We are looking for someone who can demonstrate uh, maturity, communi- communication skills, mm-hmm. resiliency, somebody who has had experience, uh, preferably somebody who has had experience uh, traveling, you know, if it's Mm-hmm. The first time out of the country for somebody that might not be you know ideal for suddenly being gone for a year. Um, so it's going to be a an intensive um, selection process that includes initially just the online application, but then um, interviews, including an in-person interview where we really get to know the person. And Connor Robinson, who is the uh, director for the program, is going to interview every candidate um, who's in the uh, in the next round. And uh, just really look for people who are going to make the best team together, mm-hmm. but who also bring the combination of skills and maturity uh, that uh, make it clear that they're going to be up to the challenge of living overseas in uh, less than modern conditions mm-hmm. uh, for a, a good period of time. It, it sounds like the opposite of your typical youth group mission trip that a church might yeah. put on, where it's uh, it's essentially a vacation uh, with a few shacks built or something like that. Right. Um, this you're really hoping to get 
you know, skilled people who are energetic and wanting to get stuff done. Absolutely. That's right. That's that's awesome. And uh, related to that, closer to home, you have the Humanist Disaster Recovery Teams. That's going to be one of your programs for 2015. Um, it sounds pretty self-explanatory, but uh, how could one join a Humanist Disaster Recovery Team? Hopefully yeah, we won't is... need one, but uh, we probably <laughs> yeah. will. Oh, yeah, absolutely. At some point, uh, um, it's, it's always going to be needed. Uh, this is another thing that... Um, Religious organizations have really done well, um, created on-the-ground uh, disaster response situations where they're able to actually or quickly organize and, and deploy uh, people where they're needed. Um, so this is uh, our attempt to really create an organized um, uh, response team situation for um, non-theists. Uh, we are creating a database. We have a database um, of volunteers uh, from around the United States. So you can actually go to our website, click on Humanist Volunteering, and find the database for um, disaster recovery teams. And you can put in your information. It's no obligation to anybody. But if you're interested in potentially responding to a disaster, you can say um, how far you're willing to go, what your particular skills are, what your interests are. Um, and then if there is a disaster within your um, the radius that you've indicated, that needs your particular skill set, uh, you would be contacted and uh, dispatched, deployed for the uh, um, for the disaster. It's being run by uh, Re- Rebecca Vitzman, mm-hmm. who you may remember from uh, the Moore, Oklahoma tornado oh, last yes, year. Oh, yes, yes. After that experience of having her home destroyed by the tornado uh, and having Wolf Blitzer ask her if she thanks the Lord. You remember that whole thing? Yeah, oh, yeah. And Re- yeah, well, Rebecca is just uh, an astonishing person. She's just an amazing, energetic, intelligent uh, um, person. And we're just really thrilled to have her in the movement and in the organization. And she was immediately looking to create an organization that would uh, do exactly this, that would help to organize the humanist response uh, on the ground in disasters. And we were planning to um, put to expand our disaster uh, response uh, capabilities at the same time. So she and I met in Oklahoma three weeks after um, the tornado, and she immediately came aboard with Foundation Beyond Belief and has begun building this program and just doing it so professionally and with such skill. It's just been absolutely terrific. What a cool story. And we also have a couple of other staffers, one of whom is a uh, graduate student, she's pursuing a doctorate in uh, disaster management now, Samantha Montano. Uh, and then we have um, Louise Vandeweel, who is has 15 years' experience with the Red Cross organizing and training volunteers on the ground. So this is a very professional operation. They're doing a fantastic job creating something that is going to be a world-class disaster recovery unit. Uh, we're not doing this in a slipshod way. But this is also the reason that we really need to make sure we've got the resources behind mm-hmm. it to have people professionally trained and to create a, a uh, something that we can really be proud of. This is this is so exciting. This is such an exciting time, and what you and the foundation have done is incredible. I'm so glad you guys are out there, and yes, we need to support them. So now's the time to get out your wallets. I know everybody's spending for the holiday season, but we definitely hope our listeners at Reasonable Doubts here are going to contribute to this. Now, I guess I have uh, uh, one more question before I let you go. What about those who don't have money to give? Uh, You mentioned these volunteer networks that you've set up, but it does more than just disaster relief. What are some of the other volunteer opportunities that these networks take on? 
Yeah, the, actually the main volunteer opportunity that we have um, is something called the Beyond Belief Network, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, a network that encourages existing free thought groups to develop the volunteer capacity of their groups, mm-hmm. so to, to move beyond sort of the intellectual side of our groups and to really engage their own communities and to work on improving uh, their own uh, towns and cities. And uh, we started, see, it was uh, three years ago that we started this program uh, with six teams in six different towns in the United States, and we helped to support them and help them find volunteer activities and give them logo wear and all that sort of thing. <laughs> and that has now expanded to 103 humanist volunteer wow. teams around the United States that are all working in their local communities. So if somebody's interested in having their own free thought group join the Beyond Belief Network, they can, again, go to our website at foundationbeyondbelief.org. They click on the Humanist Volunteering tab, and they can find the Beyond Belief Network uh, site and uh, click on a form to uh, apply, to just apply for the network, and, and uh, in they come. And that's and that's great. I mean, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I, I remember when we were when we were starting our little organization out here in Michigan, and we were starting to get more numbers. Uh, we had a our own little service group. It's a it is a little intimidating at first, knowing exactly where to start. Are we going to get the support? Where is our sure, time yeah. effort best spent? And uh, it's really cool to think that there are resources like what you guys are providing to give advice, to give help and training as to as to how to make a difference and and start these programs up. Where do my listeners go to donate? Uh, if they want to donate, they can either just go to our website and click on the the box. There's a you can see the world um, uh, with a with a link to the site, or you can go directly to the site. It's razoo.com Okay. Slash. FBB 2014. All right. And we will have a link up at www.doubtcast.org to the uh, donate page for Foundation Beyond Belief as well. Dale McGowan, thank you so much for joining us again and for all the work you're doing out there. And I hope you guys reach your fundraising goal and far beyond. Well, thanks. I appreciate it, Jeremy.